Hey, I wanted to let you know I am releasing a book this spring, this April, actually. It's my very first book, and it is so near and dear to my heart. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. And I truly believe it will encourage and equip you to navigate faith, desire, intimacy, and relationships free from shame and fear and with a holistic and biblical vision. I would be so grateful if you snagged a copy. You can actually pre-order it right now on amazon.com or Kindle, Audible, Barnes & Noble, or honestly, anywhere you purchase books. When you pre-order it, please send me an email at social at therefinedwoman.com because I would love to send you some free goodies and resources as a thank you. All right, let's get to the podcast. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to another episode of The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and special shout out to Newsstand Studio here at Rockefeller Center in New York City for hosting and producing my podcast today. I could not be more grateful Man, I just think fondly back on the days of recording my podcast in my tiny, small Brooklyn closet. And now here we are today. Thank you. Thank you, Newsstand Studio. Today, you are in for a treat. We have Dr. Christy Kadarian with us today. She is a nationally renowned relationship expert who specializes in helping clients create lives they love and find love they deserve. With an extensive career as a professional matchmaker and relationship expert for eHarmony and Match.com affiliate company, Christy has helped hundreds of people find love and improve their relationships. She is a triple Trojan receiving her bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degree at the University of Southern California in psychology and marriage and family therapy. Basically, homegirl is legit. Dr. Christie is also a radio host of the Lyrical Therapy Happy Hour and has been a featured expert in ABC, NBC, KTLA, The Wall Street Journal, The LA Times, Cosmopolitan, and many more. Dr. Christie owns her own therapy, coaching, and consulting business and works with clients internationally and nationally on how to create a life they love and find the love they deserve. All right, Dr. Christie, welcome, welcome. What is up, girl? Thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm such a fan. (laughs) It's so fun to chat with you. I feel like I am in the presence of greatness right now, Miss Doctor. (laughs) The feeling's mutual. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's such a huge accomplishment. So I just want to acknowledge that right off the bat. Thank you. Yeah. And okay, so before we really dive into stuff, well, maybe we're just diving straight into things, actually. (laughs) I want to talk with you about matchmaking, because as your bio says, you are a former eHarmony matchmaker. Can we talk about the Indian matchmaking show on Netflix and your thoughts? Yes. Because <laughs> I definitely so, watched it in like two days. <laughs> two days. Yeah, exactly. I think I probably beat you there maybe one and a <laughs> half days because it was so interesting. I felt like I was watching myself, but in <laughs> different culture. Um, so yeah, I thought the show was such a fascinating look into a culture that historically um, has, you know, matchmaking in their cultural roots. So that in Mm -hmm. um, Indian culture, that's very um, typical of the matchmaking. Um, And so 
how I perceive that show was that it's just um, very interesting to see when it's acceptable or I guess normal in a culture, what yeah. matchmaking looks like versus how in all my experiences working as a professional matchmaker in the US and how our culture has responded to matchmaking. And mm. that was a very interesting comparison to draw for me, as well as just also the many similarities that I saw in the matchmaker um for that show, as well as the people that she was um, working with and many similar mindset blocks, as well as, you know, some things that we can try to, um, you know, work on as matchmakers in helping people find love and compatibility. And also that's so much that's out of um, our hands too. So I always in my work have kept that humility of knowing like I can't play God. I can find two people that look like they could be a perfect match on paper. And then we all, you know, as we watch the show, you know, wish, wish that it would work out. And then when we, uh, when it does it, it's really disappointing, but we don't, we can't really predict all of the factors because we're dealing with people. So it was, it was just very interesting. And I obviously read up on, um, after the show, no spoilers, I guess I won't give spoilers. But no, we're really going to give spoilers. We're going to, we're going to give spoilers. Yeah. Like that they basically didn't end up and no, none of the couples ended up working out, which was also very interesting because it's like, yeah, we can connect people, but you really have to do the work of Mm. keeping your relationship um, healthy in order for it to last. Um, So yeah. So very fascinating show. What were your thoughts? Yeah. I'm all for doing the spoilers on this show because the show came out like earlier last year. So I feel like, you know, if you haven't watched it by now, here's the spoiler is that no one ended up together. And I think that is what I was curious about talking with you about is, you know, people are probably investing a lot of money in matchmaking and what happens when it doesn't work out? Or is that common that that many people being set up? Like, I was like, is she embarrassed? (laughs) Is this matchmaker embarrassed? Is this bad for her business that everyone she set up on this show didn't end up together? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the root of the question that I would often ask potential clients and then clients is, what are you really looking for through this service? If they came to me and said, I need to find my soulmate and you're my last hope and you're my only hope, that is a big red Mm. flag for me as a matchmaker because... Um, I can't guarantee love. Nobody can. If there, if some, if mm-hmm. somebody said they could, they're lying. <laughs> um, so I think that what's really important is um, understanding what you're really looking for. If you were to work with a matchmaker, if you're looking for mm-hmm. more people that fit more closely the type of person that you want to marry, and you're having a hard time. Um, being introduced or meeting those types of people that could potentially lead to love, then, you know, matchmaking could be a fit, but we're not making those promises that, you know, you're definitely going to find your soulmate. There's a chance that you could give in that maybe I know the way that she works is a little bit different than how I work, but um, given that we're looking mm-hmm. for certain markers that we think would be compatible with that individual. And, you know, then it's the chemistry piece. I always describe it as an art and science and um, especially working at eHarmony and learning about the research behind compatibility I would bring my background as a therapist and psychologist and bring the science piece of, okay, knowing this about my client, I think this person might be a fit. And then the art is Mm -hmm. the part that's kind of um, always that serendipitous experience of falling in love that you can't predict. And it's beautiful when it happens. Yeah. And even when you say my, say the science behind compatibility, I would love to hear more about, you know, kind of like your secrets of being a professional matchmaker and even some of the science behind compatibility, because I know I've definitely experienced, oh my gosh, this person has everything I want on paper, but there, there's nothing there. And Mm -hmm. then I'm, it's, it's the thought that comes through my head is, is there something wrong with me? Am I wanting too much? Am I wanting something that doesn't exist? So what are, what are sort of your thoughts on that? And, and even if you can kind of pull the, the veil behind some of the inner workings of being a matchmaker for eHarmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
in research that Dr. Neil Clark Warren, who started eHarmony, um, he's a psychologist actually um, from uh, Fuller Seminary, which is um, in my hometown, Pasadena. And he um, researched basically and found that there are 29 dimensions of compatibility. And of those, there's a lot of um, different ones. But the big thing that I tell people that is often shocking because it's different than what we hear in the movies and see in the movies is that often, um, even though they say opposites attract, often it's people that are really similar in very important ways that end up having and creating long lasting love in a relationship. And so sometimes people have a reaction to that and think, oh no, every person I've been (laughs) attracted to has been so opposite. And, um, that's really drawn me to them. And that could be a factor in that initial spark. But often what we're looking for in a relationship is that, um, you know, symbiotic experience of living with a person day in and day out in days that are more routine and less remarkable. So what we really want to focus on is how are we similar in very important ways? And then can we build from some of that chemistry, obviously chemistry is very important and physical attraction is one of those dimensions of compatibility, but it's not everything. So we have to take that as one piece of the puzzle, but not the whole thing. And, um, often we rely so heavily on that when we are first meeting people that if that's not there, we think it's a deal breaker. If it is, then we think that's, you know, that's it. We found our person, but unfortunately, um, that we can't rely on just that uh, factor. We have to look into personal values, even educational and financial background and beliefs about certain things in order to know if somebody could be a good long-term partner. Mm, I, that's that's such good insight. And I don't want to skip over that, the the question of do opposites attract? Because I I think it's something that people say all the time, right? It's, it's a thing, mm-hmm. otherwise it wouldn't be said. And so I I love how you put it that it's important to be similar in in important ways like the values and worldview mm-hmm. and even how do you spend your money where do you mm-hmm. want to live stuff like mm-hmm. that but what I'm curious about is that question of do opposites really attract and here's what I mean by that so for most of my life I was attracted to I call it the lead lead singer of the band syndrome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the center of attention type person, super charismatic, very outspoken leader. And that's very much so how I am. Mm -hmm. I am loud. I have lots of opinions and I would be really attracted to guys that were very similar to me in that way. Mm -hmm. And the more the more I liked and dated guys like that, there would always end up being this wall of, Mm -hmm. it was like, and this sounds, I feel like this is going to sound weird and woo woo, but it was as though both of, you couldn't have two people in the relationship that both kind of wanted to be the star. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it's honestly, the more therapy and work that I've done, the less attracted I am to the lead singer of the band syndrome type guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the more I realize, oh, I wonder if a guy that is, you know, more of a quiet leader, you know, okay, being in the background a little bit. And it's not like I want the show to be just about me. Um, mm-hmm. But I think when I think of opposites attracting, that's something that comes to my mind is as a 35 year old single person, is it best for me to be with someone that maybe is a little bit more laid back when I am, you know, out there loud and stuff like that? Or, and not, or, and do you think there is something to relationships not working as much when you have two of the very same type of personality? Yeah. And I I love you kind of spelling that out because I think that uh, that's such a common thing that I hear. And I even experienced my own um, dating journey and now marriage is that it's interesting to recognize and see parts of yourself in another person, because in so many ways, uh, somebody else is our mirror. Every, everything in the world is a mirror. Um, So they're either Mm -hmm. reflecting the parts about ourselves that we like, or there, or often when we judge other people in romantic relationships or otherwise, they are reflecting parts of ourselves that we judge about ourselves. So often, mm-hmm. um, like th- what you just said about 
two people being the star in a relationship, often if that that's rubbing you the wrong way or somebody else the wrong way, uh, that you feel like you're more of a star and they are also a star, it's because there's parts of you that may, might judge yourself for you know being the center of attention sometimes or whatever. So then when somebody is the complement of that, it kind of allows you to relax into that part of yourself too. And I've done a lot of... Um, work with um, personality tests and, and relationships and dating. And specifically, like when we talk about the Myers-Briggs personality test, for example, it's four letters um, for those who aren't familiar. And two of them, so the um, second and third letters have to do with how we process our internal worlds. And the last two, so like introvert or extrovert, um, that and the, um, the first and last letter have to do with how we process the external external world. And a lot of what we found about compatibility is that the more similar people are in the ways that uh, they process the, their internal worlds, the more compatible they might be. So for example, you hmm. being an extrovert, you might be really compatible with someone else who's an, um, who's an introvert because that's how you are. That's how you are in the external world. But instead, um, if you are a feeler, so that's an, e, um, let's say you're an ENF, your letters F and someone else is a thinker that might be really incompatible because the way that they approach relationships mm. or life, their internal world and how they make meaning of the world is all logic and kind of, you know, very matter of fact. And the way that you might experience the world is all feeler and you're just kind of, um, processing through your emotional world. And that might create a lot of tension in the relationship. So it's also about kind of if let's say both of you guys are the life of the party when you're alone together, are you able to connect and process and mm. build those moments um, of trust together um, as well? So it's kind of that balance of it too. But I think that oftentimes when it becomes a problem is when we feel like we're lacking some significant characteristic or quality and we see that in somebody else and we think, oh, I'm going to be, um, if I'm in a relationship with that person, that means that. I don't necessarily need to work on this in myself. So we kind of look for that you complete me dynamic, mm -hmm. which we know leads yes. to really unhealthy dynamics and relationships rather than saying, okay, this is an example I give a lot of women. They find someone who, you know, is financially secure or stable or financially literate, really attractive. And I say, okay, like, why don't you start working on that financial security, uh, stability and literacy and learning all of those things on your own? And you're going to feel more confident and probably attract someone who's similar rather than feeling like you're the inferior one and they have that. So you can just complete and not do that inner work in yourself that you want um, in somebody else. That's what leads to that codependency in relationships. So that's, a, that's kind of my um, litmus test for that opposites attract is, okay, is, are you attracted to yeah. that and that person because you feel like you lack that or because you bring that to the table and you want someone to meet you there? Oh, that's, that's so good, Christy. And I think in that, what I hear is not looking for someone to be the answer to my problem mm -hmm. or not looking for someone to be, to be the completion to something that I feel is wounded, broken, lacking in myself, whether mm -hmm. it's, I've talked about this a lot on the, the podcast for a long time. I really was looking for a financial savior. And so mm -hmm. I, I allowed that narrative to excuse me from being financially stable and investing into my mm -hmm. future because I thought, oh, I'll just marry someone who mm -hmm. is financially stable and who has been really good with their money all these years. And so I also did that with my body image in my 20s. Well, mm -hmm. I'm super insecure about my body. I don't feel pretty. What I really need is to meet a guy who just accepts me as I am and so that mm -hmm. he can answer the question that deep down inside, I'm looking to be answered. Am I worthy? Am I enough? Am I beautiful? Mm -hmm. And I think when that is the posture of the heart, then we're setting our relationship up for failure. Yeah, yeah, that that's so true. And I think um, all of us go through that um, to some extent. So I love um, your insight on your own journey in that. I think that also happens with kind of what you described earlier about the leader of the boy band uh, syndrome is that mm. oftentimes we feel that if somebody like that were interested in us, that means something about us. So we constantly right. are going after, you know, there's a 
the quote unquote bad boy uh, thing for girls that we're constantly going after somebody that, okay, they're, um, they seem like they're non-committal or somebody said, oh, they, they won't settle down with somebody. And then we subconsciously think that, oh, okay, if we can rewrite this narrative and they will choose us, then that will mean something mm-hmm. so valuable to us. And we're trying to get our meaning out of other people's um, approval of us rather than really looking deeper and seeking that worthiness, um, you know, in God and that relationship and having that um, independent of somebody else's validation. Mm, yes, that is so good. And I would say even those questions in myself, whether it's I'm looking for this guy to answer this question in me, To me, it's more revealing that there are some deep, deep old wounds, and it typically has nothing to do with romantic relationships. So much of my stuff has gone back to childhood, childhood dynamics with my father and looking for healing in my dating relationships and recreating and manifesting the like the manifestation of the unhealthy version of my dad to try to win him over in dating so that I can show myself I'm really worthy of being fought for. I'm worthy of the man changing for me. I'm worthy of him coming Mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. for me. And I mean, oh, all I can say is thank God that God did not give me what I wanted when I wanted it in my Mm -hmm. 20s because I would be married to just a nightmare (laughs) of a person (laughs) or probably to be frank divorced Mm -hmm. by now. So I think it can be easy just to focus on the symptom or the topical, the topical narrative of, well, I just want to feel loved or I just want this person mm-hmm. to want me or I only think this because I've seen cruel intentions or how to lose a guy in 10 days too many times where the player turns out to be the good guy mm-hmm. in the end um, and really kind of saying, okay, that's the narrative. How can I dig deeper? And when did that narrative really, really yeah, start? Yeah. I love that you've done that, that work um, as well. I, I encourage everyone to do that. And obviously I do that with my clients too, because it doesn't necessarily mean that you had to have this, you know, um, terrible childhood or something to have those. We all have some degree of that experience because when we're children, the way that we interpret anything from our parents um, can be so different because we have such a limited capacity for that understanding. And when we look back, we obviously think that, okay, like obviously, you know, a very common theme is when um, parents get divorced and um, kids are at a very young age, uh, they interpret that to mean that it was somehow their fault. Um, and obviously, mm. When we look back, we say, okay, no, like, obviously that wasn't my fault that my parents got divorced when I was five. Um, I didn't do anything for that to happen. But when we're at that age, we internalize that and that becomes part of our organizing principle with, uh, for how we Mm. interpret things that happen in the world and what's our responsibility or not. And it just, there's so many potential, um, ways that that could manifest in our relational lives later on. And that's kind of the basis of attachment theory that really doing that work and getting that awareness can be so profound uh, for you rewriting that and not having to kind of take the responsibility of that story anymore. As a culture, we're taught to do really kind of whatever it takes to advance our career. We'll invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into our education. We'll take intern jobs with little to no pay for the experience. If you're like me, you will have moved cross country multiple times to put yourself out there. But then with things like love, we say, oh, it'll just happen when it happens. And with things like, do I want kids or not? We say, oh, I'll think about that someday down the road. I'm focusing on me right now, or I'm working on my career right now. But what if we were just as intentional about our reproductive health and our fertility health as we were about our careers? The reality is women are having children later in life, but biology hasn't changed and we need tools to understand the future of our fertility. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Now, traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash refine, you can get $20 off your test. 
Also, if you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on modern fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, you need information to make the decision that's best for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners at the Refine Collective $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refine. That means you get the test for $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it would cost you at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash refined. You recently on your Instagram, I love quotes. <laughs> I'm always looking up quotes and you had a really great one. You said, ladies, if it's peaceful, it's marriage material. If it's got the, I wonder if he's going to text me back today energy, it's trauma not yet healed. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of, you kind of tapped into this a few minutes ago, talking about chemistry and physical attraction. And I really kind of want to dig more into chasing that spark and chasing the chemistry. And I, I think what has made an interesting layer into this conversation is online dating, Mm -hmm. because as much as we want to say, well, physical attraction is important, but it's not the number one thing. I think we still look for it. We still, even if we're not consciously saying it subconsciously, we make it the number one Mm -hmm. thing. And so I wanted to first lean into the quote that you put about trauma not yet healed. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So oftentimes, um, like I mentioned, with um, attachment theory, what we learn about how we um, organize relationships um, just psychologically at a young age is we either have that secure attachment where we feel safe and we feel that when um, you know we need something from a parent, they're going to respond in that loving way, or we have anxious attachment where we're not sure how they're going to respond, or we have avoidant re- attachment where we feel like our needs are unmet. So we pull in and we um, we no longer ask or kind of reach out for that um, in the parent-child relationship. And then how that translates into relationships um, in adulthood and very often in dating relationships is we often see that in um, attachment styles of dating and learning about how we interpret, um, you know, a potential rejection or how to uh, connect with a person. Let's say we're really interested in a person and that is he going to text me back energy is very, um, reflective of anxious attachment. Like we're not really sure, are they going to be there for me? Similar to that fear that we didn't know as a child, if our parent was a a consistent, secure attachment figure for us, then we bring that anxiety into relationships and say, okay, do, do they, um, do they like me? Are they going to be there for me? Um, are they commitment material? Because we feel like we want that, but we're so anxious. We don't know if we're going to get that back. So then that is very commonly, you know, why when we're waiting for a text back, we're texting all of our friends or we're checking their Instagram if they've liked anyone's photos or whatever, because we have that anxiety. Are they, are you there for me? I'm not secure in this um, connection. Mm-hmm. And very similarly with avoid it, we either put up a wall and we say, oh, well, that d- it doesn't matter. I don't, um, they, I didn't like them anyway, or I don't need a person. I'm going to do this all on my own. Uh, we, we lean towards disconnection because of the same fear that, oh, I already know they're not going to be there for me. they're not going to meet my needs. I'm not lovable, whatever meaning we make. And then we, um, react in that way. And in dating, especially online dating, it's so hard because we, we are, um, by definition in that, uh, discovery phase, we don't yet know if they are going to be that, uh, secure attachment figure for us. But because we really long for that when we're in the dating process, we often feel like we want to attach to them and yet they haven't yet built that trust. So then it is a recipe for disaster and anxiety and um, not learning, okay, are they a secure potential attachment figure? Do I know enough about them? Um, I always joke with my clients um, that if I ever wrote a book, it would be 
called um, consistency over time. And that's how you really get to know if somebody is a good attachment figure, a good partner for you is do they portray that consistent behavior and relational connection that you're looking for over a long period of time. And when you're first dating somebody, you know, you're already kind of writing their last name with your first name uh, within a month when you don't know if they're going to be that consistent figure for you and you're replaying that early attachment pattern. So a lot of that um, is really common. I said, obviously, that was a message to ladies, but I got so many um, messages from men on my feed that said, oh, I, we often wait for the girls to respond. So I think it goes both ways. Um, but I think it's part of that attachment that we're working out of, okay, I don't want to be, I don't want to connect too much because I don't know yet if they're going to be there for me. And I don't want to feel that pain of rejection all the time. Like, most of the time, what we're really afraid of is a feeling. So if we can work with ourselves to be, um, secure and um, just psychologically and spiritually feeling that security. And from a full cup, we're going and trying to connect with people and date. Um, then it's going to look a lot differently than when we're coming from that empty cup and wanting that answer of, can you be my security rather than already coming with that? It sounds like one of the things that you're talking about is identifying when you're being activated or when you're being triggered. Because it can feel when the whole, oh my gosh, is he going to call me back today? For me, the narrative a long time was, I'm just excited. I really, really like this person. I really, really care. Mm -hmm. And and then on the other side of that, I've also experienced moments of avoidancy where I completely shut down for no reason, mm -hmm. in, in other words. And so what what are ways that you can identify if you're being triggered, if your attachment style is being triggered? And then if there are a few practical ways that you can share, how do we become more secure? So first it's knowing like, am I being triggered? And then how do I show up in more wholeness? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think commonly in online dating, what happens is that we project uh, past experiences and past relationships on people that we're getting to know. So this happens very commonly when somebody has a type, like I know you mentioned a type earlier, but oftentimes I work with people who they always, they have a type of person that they're always attracted to. And then you, you get, you go down a slippery slope that you're projecting all your past experiences of, let's say it's athletes or something like that. You're projecting all of your past experiences um, that with former relationships with athletes onto new potential uh, partners. So you're you met one on a dating app and they're not responding, or they have they're in practice, or they're in they're traveling, or something like that. And you are triggered by all the past experiences, maybe of dating athletes. And you know that you don't know this person enough to be having that experience based on their individual behavior. You're rather putting this whole story that is familiar to you onto that new person because our brain will always go back to what's familiar and create safety from familiar stories. But oftentimes those familiar stories aren't necessarily true. And especially when we really need to personalize the dating and individualize the dating process and not let other new potential people pay for old pe old people's mistakes. So really noticing, okay, if you're, if you notice that story replay, like, oh, this is happening again, he's waiting longer in between texts to text me back, or we're not talking as much, really notice, okay, where is my mind going? And what old relationships is this reminding me of? And either journaling or processing with a therapist or coach um, is really helpful to identify, okay, tell your brain, this isn't that old story. This isn't that old trauma and be really present and grounded, often doing some somatic work around that, really grounding your body and saying, okay, this isn't the same situation. And then second, if the relationship, obviously everything is um, intrapersonal, so it's happening within you and it's interpersonal when we're talking about relationships. So I always want to empower people to, if you are seeking clarity, there's no nothing wrong with that. Even if it's early in a relationship, you can definitely reach out and say, Hey, like I've noticed we haven't chatted as much. Have you been, um, busier or, you know, I just kind of want, wanted to check in. You don't even have to 
ask, you know, why you don't have to ask the why question, but just checking in because the stories we often write in our own head are so drastically different than what's actually happening. And once you receive that clarity, you can then move forward with seeing if that person's a fit for you. So I think that's one way by doing the interpersonal work and the intrapersonal work can really help you um, be grounded and move forward in the dating relationships. So you know that you're not acting out of that triggered place. Okay. So I hear that. And I think that's really good. And then I also have a question, maybe a little pushback because our mind, right, is constantly trying to create patterns. And okay, I'm just going to go with the person who's not texting back or Mm -hmm. the person who's breadcrumbing you. Mm -hmm. And part of it is you're being triggered by the past, but part of it is this behavior feels familiar. And so Mm -hmm. what's the tension or balance of, well, actually, because of my past experiences, I have wisdom now and I recognize unhealthy patterns. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to like writing everything off and being like, well, I'm just being triggered and this doesn't mean anything right now because I'm putting my past on my present. I guess that's, I I don't really have a question, but that's just kind of what I wanted to put out there is I see that there, we can't just put all of our past crap on our present, but then we've also, I've, I grew up with an emotionally unavailable father and then I Mm -hmm. dated a ton of emotionally unavailable men. And so Mm -hmm. I can now smell that from a mile away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even if I'm, I don't know the person that well, there's patterns of, oh, he says something and doesn't follow through. Oh, he, you know, waits to the last minute to ask me out. So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. And that's where I think that we often get stuck and especially women can get stuck in that um, pattern that is just staying inside themselves. So with the, what I mean when I say interpersonal, it's like, then you can connect and kind of ask for that clarity Mm. and understand more from the person that you're dating. So if there's that dynamic, oh, okay. You know, if you notice the pattern, I think then it's okay to kind of um, either feel like, Hey, this isn't a fit for me. If it seems very unhealthy, or if it's just a matter of clarity, you really want to kind of have a way to ask that and Mm -hmm. get that clarity from the person. And then once they, once you have that conversation after that, if that pattern continues, then you might just decide, Mm -hmm. yeah, this isn't a fit for me. But I think oftentimes another piece that, um, kind of goes to the second part of your question is the practical application of this often. And I think this is sometimes controversial when I say this um, to people is that I think that it's okay to be dating and just be dating and not be in an exclusive relationship right away with somebody and be getting to know people multiple people. I know now during um, a pandemic, it looks a little bit different, but I think it's okay to not say, okay, I really like this person. I'm just going to focus all my energy here and put Mm -hmm. all of my eggs in this basket and see what happens. Um, I think until you've had that conversation, you're not in a relationship. So I think so many times we can assume we're in a relationship when we're not. And then we get caught in that pattern where we've put all our emotional energy, we've treated it like a relationship, but we haven't gotten that commitment back. And so it's not that reciprocal, mutual understanding yet, but we're acting like it is. Yes. And oh, I feel like you hit the nail on the head with the concept of assumption Mm -hmm. as it's identifying, okay, am I being activated? Am I being triggered? Where did this come from? So looking backward before we look in the present and then not assuming. One of my mm-hmm. mentors, she she says, like always assume love or assume positive intent. Mm-hmm. And I think assumption can often become the downfall or the breakdown of a relationship because typically when we assume, we assume negative. Mm-hmm. And I think so many women in particular, I know myself included, I, I hid behind, well, I want a guy to pursue me and he's supposed mm-hmm. to be quote unquote leading me. So mm-hmm. he's supposed to be having all these conversations. And I truly now think that's a spiritual bypass. That's using spiritual mm-hmm. language and spirituality to take the back seat and be a victim to my relationships. And I just, I love your message of asking for clarity. Mm -hmm. So I think what I even got a DM on Instagram today from a girl and she said, I met this guy online and he's really great. We've really been enjoying getting to know each other. He loves God. 
but we're having communication issues. Should I call it off? Mm-hmm. And my response to her was, well, if you're having communication issues, have you talked to him about that? <laughs> and yep. I think, I guess I'm just so, I, I think I know where the narrative comes. I think, especially in Christian culture, women are taught to be quiet, not have opinions. Guys need to do mm-hmm. all the pursuing. So if we say anything, we're not being these godly women, which I think is total BS. Mm-hmm. But I just want women to hear what you said of you have the permission to ask for clarity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you feel the assumption coming on, you can ask, mm-hmm. <laughs> ask yeah. for the clarity yeah. you want and need. I mean, it's so true what you just described, because I think that oftentimes I was just talking to a client about this as well. And she was feeling the guys on her online dating profile weren't commenting with something like they would just like a photo, but they wouldn't like try or comment or whatever. And I, uh, what I told her was that we're assuming investment when we don't, they don't know anything about you. Like Mm -hmm. you're assuming that they are rejecting you or they don't like you enough to be starting a conversation or, you know, showing that effort. But unfortunately, you know, with online dating and technology, obviously there's so many benefits. I'm a huge proponent for, of online dating, but I think that something that does get lost in translation is that we have so many assumptions that we're making that, Oh, you know, because they didn't, you know, text me back or message me or comment something that that means they don't like me or they're rejecting me or whatever. And that's with the girl that DM'd you and my client that that's where we recognize, oh, that's avoidant. Um, and we can provide ourselves that grace and compassion that, oh, there I go again. You know, I, I'm trying to protect myself, but it's coming off or it's coming through a way that isn't actually helpful for me in this avoidance. But what is helpful in a growth opportunity is saying, okay, I have the opportunity to provide more understanding and learning for myself because you're going to feel so much more empowered when you ask for that clarity and you understand more. This is something that Neil Clark Warren says very frequently and. um, is that the more decisive you can be earlier on when you're dating somebody, the happier you'll be through the dating process. So by kind of dragging it on and not getting that clarity and um, just kind of tormenting yourself on what every single text means mm-hmm. or every you know interaction, we're just providing so... Um, we're not providing ourselves that opportunity for connection. And that connection happens in little moments that trust is built that Brene Brown talks about this a lot. Um, and we are, um, we're not giving our potential partner an opportunity to build that trust when we just have this whole narrative and dialogue with ourselves. Yes. And one thing that my mentor has said to me before is she said, wow, you're such a good fiction writer. You should you should write fiction books. And I I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you just made this whole story <laughs> about what hasn't even taken place with this guy. You know, you've, you've made a story that he doesn't like you, that he's a player, that he's uninterested. That's a fiction story. You could just ask him what's going on. And so I just love the permission that you're giving women to let go of assumption and let the moment of awareness when we, we have the moment of awareness that we're assuming allow that to be the moment that we ask for clarity. Mm-hmm. And I I don't want to skip over something you said a few minutes ago, because I think it's going to really get a lot of my Christian ladies with their panties up in a wad. Um, <laughs> so you said it's okay to be dating and just be dating. Not every mm-hmm. relationship has to be exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I can just already hear, or I can feel <laughs> the shoulders going up to the ears. And what do you mean? I, mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to date for marriage. I want to be intentional. And something I say is that dating is a curb, not a cliff. Mm-hmm. Just this, a similar idea of, you know, we show up to date one and think, well, is this going to be marriage? And what are his intentions? And basically it feels like we're jumping off a cliff into the abyss as opposed Mm -hmm. to I'm just walking on a sidewalk and stepping off a tiny little curb. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of speak more into that idea of changing and shifting mindset as you pursue dating as a woman of faith? Mm -hmm. Well, I want I'm 35 years old and I do want to be married and I don't Mm -hmm. want to waste my time. 
So mm-hmm. how do I be intentional without putting all this pressure on dating? Yeah, I think I love that analogy about um, dating being a curb, not a cliff. Because, um, and the reason that I have and have coached people around this particularly is that I find that, you know, obviously we want to, um, as Christian women in this area of our lives, we want to obviously be honoring the Lord. And I love, um, all the work that you've done in helping Christian women talk about sex and intimacy and all these things. And I think when it comes to dating and emotional intimacy, we don't really talk about that as much, unfortunately. And obviously we know in Proverbs, it says, um, you know, we have to guard our hearts. And oftentimes when we are pretending we're married to someone we've been on a date with, that puts us in a mindset that we might really cross the bounds of that emotional connection and intimacy when we're in our mind treating ourselves like that person's our future husband when we've only been on a few dates with somebody. So I really encourage that this mindset um, in faith communities and um, other communities because it really helps us to have that mindset of guarding our hearts while we're connecting with somebody because we hope that, you know, we're always going to hope that the next day could be God's person for us. But at the same time, we're holding um, it very loosely in our hands. We're not gripping it tightly like, oh, no, this has to be the right person. We're allowing God to allow the relationship to work out in order for you to learn if they are the right person. But when we grip it so tightly and think, oh, this person's perfect, they're on paper, you know, they're a Christian guy that's attractive, like how could they not be the right person? These are so few and far between. Um, then we're really trying to um, fit our agenda into God's. And that always leads to disaster if you look at the scriptures. So really what we have to do is hold it open. And I'm not saying this means that you need to, um, you know, be cross boundaries in other areas um, and, you know, date around how the world perceives dating around, but that as you're getting to know people, you can do that with integrity Mm -hmm. without, you know, saying, okay, this is after one date, this is my person and I'm just going to be talking to them. I'm just going to be dating them because I think as Christian women, we often really um, try to build that connection, but with something that's not quite there yet, it's like a fantasy connection. And um, when we're able to get to know multiple people and um, until we're in that exclusive relationships, it allows us to get away from that thinking of like, this is our person. So we invest in it the way that we would in our future husband when they're not yet and they haven't brought that commitment yet. So, um, so that's kind of what I mean by that. And I think during the pandemic, Um, I've seen with my clients that it's been actually a great time to get to know people without that physical boundary um, becoming an issue or a potential area um, of discomfort because you're, you know, you don't have, you don't have that question. You can get to know people more um, emotionally and see if they're a fit in other ways um, with multiple people and then decide kind of, you know, if there's a pursuit or if there's one that's developing, then when you're in an exclusive relationship, relationship, obviously not pursuing other relationships, but not getting to that point before you're actually there and not giving more than you would to when you're at with someone, when you're actually in a committed relationship Mm -hmm. and then when you're in a marriage. I think that's such important insight. And even as I, as I hear you saying that I, I hear sort of the principle of being clear, knowing, Mm -hmm. okay, what I am looking for right now is a serious relationship that leads to marriage and partnership. And these, I'm looking, I want a man that loves God, loves people, has integrity and vision for his life that I'm physically attracted to, that I can laugh with. So I know what type of relationship what I want. I know mm-hmm. sort of what are my non-negotiables and my preferences. And then I surrender and trust the process. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if there's anything this last year has taught us is how, or I'll just make it personal, what it has taught me is how much control I think I have. Mm -hmm. And I kind of hide behind, well, I want to just, I want to be clear. I want to be intentional. But we can be clear and intentional and surrender and surrender to the Mm -hmm. process. And I think what you're also sort of talking around is this idea that there's no shortcut to intimacy. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I was just talking with one of my dear friends today and we were talking about, as I do with a lot of my friends, sex and marriage and, you know, should we wait until marriage to have sex? And as a Christian, when I am choosing to wait until marriage to have sex, how do we, you know, navigate physical boundaries in relationships? Mm -hmm. 
And I said something to her. I was like, you know, it's really interesting because I feel as though a lot of Christians get so up in arms about physical boundaries. And I am a person who is choosing to wait until marriage to have sex as a woman of faith. However, mm-hmm. it's like on night one, we're getting emotionally and spiritually mm-hmm. naked. And mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, how is that different? Mm-hmm. You're judging the people in your life that maybe are having casual sex, but on night one, you're trying to shortcut intimacy by -hmm. telling someone your whole life story and then Mm -hmm. imagining and fantasizing about them being your partner and husband or spouse forever. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I also say that to myself because I definitely went on a first date last year and was like, yep, this is the one. I am off the market. And then I never heard from him again. So I'm not saying this as being this enlightened, totally evolved person. I struggle with it as well. I just think it's really interesting how much, especially as people of faith or in faith in faith atmospheres where we make the physical so important, but I'm like, well, you're basically jumping in bed emotionally, mentally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, Mm -hmm. you might not be doing that physically right now, but, um, so how do we, I, I, and I think you're talking about this is, you know, get to know someone, not get naked emotionally from the first date on. And Mm -hmm. so I just, I appreciate that you're saying that. And because I think it's just so easy. It's Mm -hmm. just so easy to think, oh, well I'm doing it quote unquote God's way, but Mm -hmm. really are you? (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think it's really interesting because when we talk about intimacy, I think there's many different types, obviously physical, emotional, spiritual, I think also. um, And I think that our, um, you know, society outside of Christian culture um, and hookup culture, it's just the physical is out the roof. So it doesn't give um, right away and it doesn't give time for the other intimacies to grow in order to balance. So that's a solid, uh, even foundation to grow a relationship from. But sometimes in Christian culture, because we're trying so hard to avoid the physical, we're uh, overloading the emotional and spiritual. And that's also can create an imbalance too. So we have to have things kind of progressing equally. So when you're at that place of marriage, you've built this solid foundation that then can grow um, and, you know, be a a good relationship long-term too. Real talk. After sitting in the same sweatpants for almost an entire pandemic, I have decided to freshen up my wardrobe and have been shopping and selling on Curtsy. I love it because they have the coolest pieces at thrift store prices. You know I love a good sale. Even better, all the pieces are delivered to your doorstep. Now, I love Curtsy because you're shopping from real women and your size and style. It's so easy to use, and I found some really incredible deals. It's also nice that it's just women's clothes too. With the Curtsy app, you get thrift store prices delivered directly to your door. So no need to sort through thousands of items that aren't your style or size. I even found Lululemon tops for 20 bucks and Lululemon leggings for $40, which is a total steal. The app has all my favorite brands from Nike to Urban Outfitters to Champion, Free People, Zara, and Levi's all up to 70% off. And I know selling clothes can be a huge pain, but Curtsy has actually made the selling process so easy. Literally anyone can do it. Also, I don't really know how to price my items very well, but Curtsy suggests a price, which is super helpful. If you don't have a printer, don't worry about it. They'll mail you a shipping label for free, which I love. And the coolest part is when you get to instantly cash out to your debit card. Hey, yo. I am super excited to get the Lululemon black joggers that I recently ordered on Curtsy. I'm going to be sporting them all over my house, all around town. You better believe it. So if you want a sustainable way to get Brandy, Urban, Champion, and Lulu delivered directly to your door, download Curtsy today and enter promo code REFINED for 15% off your first order. Search for Curtsy in the App Store, and that's spelled C-U-R-T-S-Y, and enter promo code REFINED for 15% off your first order. One more time, that's Curtsy app, and the promo code is REFINED. We've been talking for almost an hour, and I have 3,000 more questions to ask you, (laughs) but I am going to ask one more question, and then we'll wrap Mm -hmm. it up. What do you think are the current best dating apps and why? 
Yeah. Million dollar question. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I get it all the time. Yeah. And so um, I'll preface this by giving the answer that nobody wants to hear is that I work with people internationally and uh, all across the U.S. And so I think it definitely depends on demographic um, and location, like versus, you know, if you live in a city or if you live, um, you know, in a rural area. So I think that it definitely has a lot to do with that. So but when I um, when I plug one or two, it's not that it's going to be the same all across the board everywhere. Some clients I've worked with in places that are very rural don't even have um, <laughs> these apps. So, um, but I think that if you're in um, a bigger city in your um I usually recommend what you need to do is first figure out what's your, and I call it the silver bullet swipe method. So what's your like main thing that's very important to you that if somebody meets that criteria, that's what you're looking for. And I, and when I teach my clients this method, it really helps them narrow down what's the most important quality. And then obviously you have to feel like there's something about their profile that feels like it's a fit. Um, but let's say, you know, you're a believer and their faith is the most important. Um, and you find that there's a lot of people that aren't of your faith background um, in your area, then I would say I would call that what um, I call an expensive trade. So that means that it's not very frequent. It's not like you can buy it at any corner store uh, quality. So oftentimes you will, you want to find a um, dating app that has a lot more people because the likelihood of there being someone who is who meets that very narrow criteria um, is going to be more frequent. So if you feel like you're comfortable with dating apps, using an app like all shameless plug um, Bumble is um, a better app to use because you're going to get more people that are you know specifically um, Christian that then you can in the messages uh, get to know more about what it means for them to be a Christian versus if you're using an app that's giving you one or two matches a day the likelihood that they're going to be Christian and you're going to be somewhat attracted to them isn't going to be as high so um, so you typically I say that around if it's a very narrow quality like Christian, um, I'm Armenian and I work with a lot of Armenians. And if they want to find someone that's Armenian, I definitely recommend an app like Bumble that has a lot of people to go through because the likelihood that you'll find one out of every 20 people being Armenian um, is higher than an app. Another app that I recommend frequently um, is Coffee Meets Bagel. Um, so the, it kind of depends on what your main criteria is. So so I recommend starting there first. And then if it's something that's more frequent, um, going to an app more specific, like I usually like either Coffee Meets Bagel or Hinge if you're in the um, you know millennials um, plus age range. I think what's interesting about your response is that there's not, <laughs> there's just not a systematic approach to this. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of it is figuring out, I love your silver bullet swipe method. What is the most important quality you're looking for? And then giving different apps a try. Bumble. Mm -hmm. Bumble does have tons of numbers. And I think what happens personally with Bumble, and then I know a lot of feedback from my own clients, is they think, oh my gosh, I swipe 200 people mm -hmm. and maybe one person I'm quasi interested in. And it can feel like I'm looking for a needle in a haystack. Mm -hmm. But what's important to remember, like you said, an app like Bumble has a ton of numbers. So maybe a one out of 250 swipes mm -hmm. is a good number. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're on an app like Upward or eHarmony specifically advertises Christian dating that, you know, you maybe you'll get less matches, but more mm -hmm. focused matches. And so mm -hmm. I think, I think I like what you're saying that you, you just have to try a bunch and figure yeah. out what's going to work for you. And apps like apps like Bumble that have more people not to get discouraged when you're like, oh my gosh, I seriously swipe through and maybe swipe right on one person. Mm -hmm. And just remember that like one thing, one of my friends says, she says, it just takes one. So yeah. <laughs> maybe you're swiping 500 people a day and mm -hmm. you match with one, mm -hmm. one person mm -hmm. a week. Well, great. Get to know them and, yeah. and see what, what happens from there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. My mom always says that, used to say that to me. And I think that um, another piece to that as well is that um, I always say the the app is the tool. So it's um, more about how you use the tool that's going to get you closer to your result, which is hopefully, you know, your person um, than the actual tool itself. So when people tell me, oh, I hate this app or that app, it's just the tool. So it's more about how you go about using it. And if you get really overwhelmed at swiping so frequently, then yeah, starting with an app that only gives you a few matches um, might be better for your mindset and it keeps you consistent. So the only way that you won't be successful in finding love is if you give up. And I Mm -hmm. tell it to my clients all the time, it's whatever app or method is going to keep you in the game um, longer and keep you more encouraged is going to be the right fit for you. Mm, That's so good. That's so good, Christy. Well, thank you so much for all the insight that you have shared. I just want to talk with you more and more, but (laughs) we'll wrap up. Where can people find you? I know you have a ton of resources that you're, that you have available for clients paid and free. So how can we get to know you better? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at the date, Dr. Christie. And, um, on there you can download, I actually have a free guide to figuring out which dating app is right for you. So, um, if that's a big question, you can definitely download that one. And then I obviously have one-on-one, um, therapy services in California and coaching internationally and nationally. And then, um, I have a course, um, for people. Um, it's not going to be open, um, until next year again, it's called fall in love by Christmas. And I teach all my methods, um, that I've gotten both from being a matchmaker and a marriage and family therapist. Um, and everything I basically teach clients, I've just brought down into a course. So definitely you can um, follow me and then see when that will be, um, available again to join. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and your insight and Yeah, just grateful for you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. This is so fun. Thanks for having me, Kat. Man, Dr. Christie just had so many profound things to say. I think the thing that stood out to me most, and you may have heard it in our conversation, was when she was giving us women, men, all of us the permission to ask for clarity. And this idea that when assumption happens, it sort of becomes the beginning of the breakdown in communication and in relationship, whether it's romance or platonic. And so as I charge you at the end of this episode, I just want to remind you that you have the permission to ask for clarity every step of the way in any relationship that you are in. So be empowered. I cannot wait until next time. 